Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls, it does the same things for the adults in the movement too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices and to tell their stories. Welcome to another episode based on Girl Scout research and outcomes. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite initiatives from the Girl Scout Research Institute, also known as JSRI. It is the State of Girls. So the State of Girls is exactly what it sounds like. It's basically measuring how girls are doing in the United States as a whole, and they also do a breakdown for all 50 states. We're just going to talk about the country as a whole, but if you want to look at your specific state, check out the link in the show notes. You can see the most recent version of the study. Uh, Speaking of that, I'm pretty sure this comes out about every other year nowadays. But at the time that I'm recording this, the 2019 one is not out yet. So this is all actually referring to the information in the 2017 edition. That means that I'll probably get to do an update and talk about what has changed when the 2019 version comes out. So yeah, just to reiterate, this info is from 2017 and this is the third edition of The State of Girls. So I'm pretty sure it started in 2013, and then there was a 2015, and then a 2017. Like I said, I'm currently only looking at the 2017 one, but in it, they talk about how things have changed over time. So for now, I really don't see the point of going to find and pull up any old ones. So the State of Girls is the first research report that focuses on the health and well-being of the 26 million girls living in the United States. And this edition, the 2017 edition, specifically focuses on the economic, physical, and emotional health, education, and extracurricular activities outside of school. And the 2017 edition really was looking at the impact of the recession on the state of girls. So it's comparing information from before the Great Recession to... Um, after the full effects of the Great Recession uh, can start to be measured. So let's summarize it. Like I said, this is a snapshot focused on two points in time, before and after the Great Recession. So we're looking at about 2007 or so as the before point, and then 2011 to 2017 as the after point. Sadly, overall, more girls are living in poverty and low-income households today compared to before the recession. Again, I can't really speak just yet to how things may have changed since 2017, so I use the term now kind of loosely. But anyway, 
There is promising news for girls' education, achievement, attainment, and extracurricular involvement despite the change in economic well-being. So they compared 2007 to 2015 when it comes to economic well-being, and they found that more girls ages 5 to 17 were living in poverty in 2015. More girls are living in low-income households in 2015, and more girls were part of single-parent households after feeling the effects of the recession. However, significantly fewer girls age 5 to 17 were going without health insurance in 2015 than they were in 2007. So that's kind of interesting, right? Because typically going without health insurance would be correlated to poverty or low income. Um, But this, as we know, is due to the Affordable Care Act, right? So I'm not going to step into like political parties and taking sides there, but it is really interesting to be able to see that the number of girls in poverty and the number of girls in low income households and the number of girls in single parent households all increased, but the number of girls without health insurance was decreased by 55%, 55% from the Affordable Care Act. Now, I really don't know what the change is going to look like in the next one, um, if that's even, you know, a metric they're going to address. But I just think that's interesting. Okay. When it comes to education, things are really looking very good. Educational indicators really, really improved from 2007 to 2015 for girls. Fewer girls aged 16 to 24 were high school dropouts in 2015 than they were in 2007. Fewer fourth grade girls were not proficient in reading. And fewer girls in eighth grade were not proficient in math. So that all looks better. For extracurriculars, more girls participate in extracurricular activities in recent years than they did back in 2007. So a higher percentage of girls ages 12 to 17 were involved in community service and volunteer work in 2011 and 2012 than they were in 2007. And girls ages 6 to 17 who participate in organized activities outside of school increased too. Now you might be wondering why are these studies from 2011, 2012, 2015 and so on why are they included in a 2017 report? And so I just want to kind of reiterate, I mentioned this earlier, this stuff we're talking about here was really specifically looking at like, what was the impact of the Great Recession on the state of girls? Okay, so the top ranked states for girls' well-being based on all these indicators, economic well-being, like girls in poverty or low income or single parent households, health insurance coverage for girls, educational well-being, measurements like reading proficiency, math proficiency, dropping out of high school, extracurricular involvement, community service, volunteering, organized activities. Based on these kind of measurements overall, the top states for girls' well-being in order in, and again, this was 2017. The top state for girls' well-being was New Hampshire, then Utah, Minnesota, Vermont, South Dakota, Massachusetts, Nebraska, Connecticut, Maine, and then number 10, North Dakota. So was your state in that top 10 list? Because mine wasn't. <laughs> In fact, Arizona almost always ranks as like one of the worst states for basically every study, not just like for girls. I mean, everything like education levels, education quality, poverty, safety, good drivers, like 
literally anything you're always hearing statistics about how arizona is like 44th and 44th to 50th in like rankings um although i did hear arizona i heard once was like one of the top states if not number one state for the least number of homeless veterans so really that's something that's pretty cool anyways that's a total side tangent okay moving on so let's look at physical and emotional health. So comparing before the Great Recession to after the Great Recession, the number of girls ages 2 to 19 who are obese went up. Girls ages 6 to 17 who exercise regularly also decreased. So more girls are obese and they're getting less consistent exercise. And here's a really super sad one. Um, the percentage of girls who are ages 14 to 17 who have seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months went up quite a bit, like significantly. Um, however, a good thing, even though it kind of feels a little false, is that the number of girls who feel unsafe at school actually went down. Um, so fewer girls report feeling unsafe at school circa 2013 or 14 compared to 2007. And I'm really curious to see if there's new data on that in the next state of girls, because we've been hearing a whole lot of things about, uh, mass shootings and school safety and school drills and lockdowns and such. Okay. So there were more girls in the U.S. in 2015 who were part of immigrant families than there were in 2007. And as far as race and ethnicity demographics, 2016, in 2016, the girl population in the U.S. was more diverse than literally ever before in U.S. history. Only about half of the girl population in the U.S. in 2016 was white, a quarter of them Latina. So I'm also really interested to see this updated as well for 2019 because I remember in the first state of girls, the rapid increase of the number, the percentage, I don't know, the population share of girls who are Latina and the number of girls who speak Spanish at home as their first and primary language were like on the rapid incline. Like the projections were just insane as far as like how our population demographics were going to shift were projected to shift and i think that projection went through 2020 so it'll be really interesting to see anyways in 2016 the number of multiracial girls went up the number of and when i say number i really mean population share so not like a literal number um so the population share of multiracial girls went up the population share of asian girls went up and the population share of Am american indian girls and the number of black or african american girls pretty much stayed the same from 2007 to 2016 so why does stuff like this matter to us and to girl scouts um and the answer is because a Girl Scout serves girls, right? So we need to understand the state of the population that we're serving. And you might be thinking, well, the girls in my troop aren't in poverty or whatever, but maybe you don't know. Or maybe you do have girls who are in low-income families or single-parent families. Maybe you don't know if your girls are proficient in reading or math. And that could make a difference when we're going to do activities with the troop, especially like math during cookie season. So that kind of stuff all gives us an idea of what we're looking at. Plus, there's more here and we'll dig into it deeper, but understanding like the educational and economic state then leads to us having a better understanding of things like 
girls' physical well-being, emotional well-being, and what kinds of obstacles and challenges they're up against. And that's just critical for us to be able to serve them well and to identify like our outcomes in touch with what girls actually need today or do our outcomes need to adjust and um, be modified in order to meet what girls actually need and vice versa if we know what we're really experts in and what our program is really doing to be able to serve girls then we can look at these statistics and we can say like these are the populations of girls who need girl scouts the most like this is where we really have the opportunity to make a huge impact and to make a really big difference for girls Okay, so back to the research. So the trends really indicate that there is more poverty for girls and lower income and so on, and also lower socioeconomic status girls or low SES girls face considerable challenges that are just going to impact everything from their health to their happiness to their achievement. Plus, low SES girls are more likely to be of Black or African American or Hispanic or Latina or American Indian descent. And no matter what race or ethnicity of the girl, girls nowadays are facing physical and emotional health problems like higher levels of obesity and emotional turmoil. So the hope comes from things like education and extracurricular activities and engagement. So if girls are participating more and if they have access to education and extracurriculars, then that can give us hope that we can reach them and help them through these extra challenges and obstacles that they're facing today um, more than they were in the previous 10 years. So we know Girl Scouts through GSLE or the Girl Scout Leadership Experience seeks to complement school in a fun, interactive, and age-appropriate way. Girl Scouts allows girls to develop a positive sense of self, to build healthy relationships and strong positive values, to engage in sustainable community service opportunities, and to seek out and deal with challenges and risks in a healthy way. So you can start to see how it's all related. You see how that's all coming together? An increase in low SES girls is kind of scary because low SES girls face considerable challenges, such as they are less likely to have health insurance, they experience more emotional and mental health issues, they have less access to education and extracurriculars that promote like positive development, and I'm talking about things like sports and volunteering and leadership opportunities, and they have lower education outcomes over time, including lower preschool enrollment, lower reading and math proficiency, and higher higher school dropout rates. So now more than ever, we just it's essential. We just need to be investing in girls. And as the largest girl-serving organization in the world, Girl Scouts is committed to ensuring that all girls can develop their full potential. So that means providing them with leadership experiences and helping them to discover the world around them, connect them to supportive peers and adults, and take action in the world now and in the future. So see what I did there? Discover, connect, and take action. Statistics do not equal destiny. So there are challenges that we can help girls work through and overcome. Okay, so let's go through and look at some key statistics and takeaways. For changing demographics, eight states saw a significant increase in Hispanic and Latina girls. And the eight states that saw that increase in order from most to the following seven are Connecticut, saw the greatest change, Florida, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Washington. The states with the highest percentage of Hispanic and Latina girls in this study. So 
the first the list of states that I just gave you, that's the states that saw them the biggest change in their populations, right? But the states that have the highest percentage of girls that are Hispanic or Latina um, are New Mexico with 59%, California with 52%, Texas with 49%, and Arizona with 44%. States with the highest percentage of non-Hispanic white girls in this study were Vermont and West Virginia, both at 90% white non-Hispanic and Maine at 89% and New Hampshire at 86%. Okay, also interesting, more than a quarter, 26% of all school-age girls in the United States um, were in this study (laughs) were first or second generation immigrants. Um, Also interesting, for single parent families, the share of girls living in single parent families increased in 44 of the 50 states from 2007 to 2014. Um, In 2014, the area where girls were most likely to be living in single-parent families was D.C., and that's more than half. In 2014, more than half of school-age girls were living in single-parent households. And that exact statistic was 56% of girls. And then that was followed by Louisiana and Mississippi, which are both at 45%, so like nearly half. And the states where girls are least likely to live in single-parent families are Utah at 21%, Alaska and Wyoming, both at 26%. So even there, like a quarter of all girls school age are in single-parent families. Um, But yeah, in areas like D.C., Louisiana, and Mississippi, about half, if not more than half of girls. And that's not to say that like single-parent households or immigrant families or any of those statistics are bad households, okay? No one's saying that. But statistically, single-parent families are more likely to be lower socioeconomic or low SES households, and single-parent families produce specific challenges or obstacles for girls compared to dual-parent families, right? Like, it's a different life experience. And this Girl Scout organization, is over a hundred years old obviously those demographics have changed a lot in the past century so it's just important that we know and understand what the life experiences are and what the obstacles and challenges are that come along with those life experiences because then we're going to be better prepared to serve those girls effectively so i mentioned immigrant families i want to say this in california more than 50 percent of girls is from an immigrant family more than half and then the flip side of that is west virginia is the state where girls are least likely in immigrant families less than three percent of girls in west virginia have one or more foreign-born parents okay so let's dig into the economics poverty rates for girls in this study are highest in mississippi where nearly a third of girls were living in poverty. And the lowest states were all about 12 to 13% of girls living poverty, which is like still too many. Um, but those states, the least likely for girls to live in poverty, um, and again, still like 12 to 13%, those states are New Hampshire, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Utah. And it's more common for girls who are Black, Hispanic, or Latina, or American Indian to be living in low-income families or in poverty. Next, uh, let's talk about physical and emotional health. So we already established more girls are covered by health insurance post-recession than they were pre-recession. And obesity is on the rise for girls. 
girls who are overweight are also more likely to be overweight as adults. So that increases their risk of diabetes, heart disease, asthma, hypertension, and like all kinds of other health issues. And again, Black or African American girls and Hispanic or Latina girls have higher obesity rates than their peers, which is really a trend aligned with low SES. So the rise in childhood obesity has been linked to changes in children's diets, but there's also been a decline in physical activity, so that could also be a contributing factor. So less girls are participating in physical education classes than they were in 2007, and as they get older, it decreases. So like, for example, there's a significant decrease in participation in PE from ninth grade to 12th grade. So where are these problems the most pressing? South Carolina had the highest proportion of girls ages 10 to 17 who were overweight or obese in this study at nearly 40% of girls. Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, those were the next highest states, and D.C. So Utah had the smallest share of girls who were overweight or obese in this study, but it's still nearly 20%. And Utah is followed by Pennsylvania and Vermont for girls least likely to be overweight or obese. All right, so emotional well-being, most risk behaviors have declined. Like the number of girls who have ever smoked a cigarette has gone down. The number of girls who have ever tried alcohol has gone down. And this kind of thing is really good because girls who abuse alcohol are more likely to participate in like risky sexual behavior. They're more likely to have problems at school and they're statistically more likely to use other drugs. So alcohol is also a leading contributor to injury and death among the population under 21. But emotional health is still at risk for girls because suicidal thoughts and inclinations are on the rise. And what's really scary is these rates are highest among younger girls. Like the number of girls who have recently seriously considered suicide significantly decreases from ninth to 12th grade. So it sounds cliche and cheesy, but it gets better. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention also reported an increase in suicide deaths among teen and young adults. The good news is that bullying, which has had so much attention in the media and so much emphasis in recent years, has gone down. So fewer girls are reporting having been bullied. Like, this is a significant decrease, and it's evident across all racial and ethnic groups. So that's really good. But even though fewer girls are reporting being bullied overall, there has been an increase in the number of girls who report being bullied specifically online or being victims of cyberbullying. In fact, that number has doubled since 2007. Okay, so girls who feel unsafe at school by state. Girls who were most likely to report feeling unsafe at school were in Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, and North Carolina. They were least likely to report feeling unsafe, so they feel safest at school, in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Vermont. Okay, okay, so speaking of school, let's talk about education. So the high school dropout rate overall decreased and most significantly decreased among Hispanic and Latina girls. Reading and math proficiency also improved for girls, but there are still notable discrepancies between racial or ethnic groups and socioeconomic statuses. So the percent of teen girls who dropped out of high school was highest in New Mexico, Oregon, Idaho, Kansas, and Louisiana. New Mexico also had the lowest share of fourth grade girls who are proficient in reading, which was nearly 30%. So just to reiterate, 
only 30% of girls school at fourth grade, only 30% of fourth grade girls in New Mexico were proficient in reading. <laughs> and this was closely followed by Mississippi and California as the next lowest. So the highest share of fourth grade girls proficient in reading was in New Hampshire and Massachusetts. So Massachusetts and New Hampshire have the highest share of fourth grade girls proficient in reading. But even still, it's only a little more than 50%. So only a little more than half of girls in fourth grade in the highest states, New Hampshire and Massachusetts, are proficient in reading. Like, that's crazy. Okay, Alabama and Louisiana had the lowest share of eighth grade girls who were proficient in math. Massachusetts had the highest percentage of eighth grade girls proficient in math, followed by Minnesota and New Jersey. And all of those were, again, around half or slightly less than half. So slightly less than half of girls in eighth grade are proficient in math. That's crazy. And some of the states are like significantly less than half. Okay, anyways, there you have it. There's a crash course to the state of girls in 2017. Is this interesting to you? Is it insightful to you? Do you think this would help you at all? Does it feel relevant to you as a Girl Scout volunteer? Let me know by leaving a review. You can leave one right on the Apple Podcast app if that's where you're listening on an iPhone. Or you can go to our Facebook page and leave one there. Uh, if you can't find our Facebook page, the easiest way is to go to girlscoutpodcast.com and click on the little Facebook link. You can also email me right from girlscoutpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast for an interview to share your own story or your experience or your best memories or your most important lessons or advice or best practices or literally whatever about girls today and Girl Scouting, then let's talk. Let's set something up. Just shoot me an email and introduce yourself. Okay, that's all for now. Talk to you soon. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.